Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved, beloved family. I pray that you're doing well. All is well because God is on his throne. I know it doesn't always seem that way, but he doesn't leave his throne, although he's God, so he's omnipresent. He's everywhere present, but he is on his throne. He never ceases being God. When he became a baby uh, through the Virgin Mary, he was born and put in a little manger. He did not cease to hold the world together because he never ceased being God. So that's our comfort, beloved. Our comfort is that he will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And um, many believe that uh, Our Lady is uh, cleaning up her church, her son's church, and and I would echo that. I I believe that. Um, And yet uh, it's a... It's a serious time, and it's a dangerous time because as we're faced with uh, so much going on in the church that's against the faith, especially in the current Amazon Synod, uh, heresy and and um, what they're calling new pathways, which are none, none of them Catholic, um, we have cause to uh, be concerned, that's mildly put, but... Um, we can take two paths. We can just three paths, I guess. We can leave the church because we're we are uh, we don't really know anyone. I'll say this: anyone who leaves the church does not know what the church is. You could be upset. You could be um, horribly um, um, attacked by the church in many ways or by its people. But if you leave. Um, then you don't know what she is. Then you don't know what she is, as if any of the 11 apostles would have left because of Judas. Absolutely not. They stayed with the Savior, and that's what we must do. We stay with the Savior. We don't hide. We don't grow apathetic and please God. We do not remain silent, especially if you're a priest, especially even more so if you're a bishop. Um, it was Edmund Burke, I've repeated this before several times, that the, he said the only thing needed for evil to prevail is for good men to remain silent. Bishops who remain silent in this day, I'll tell you, I, I can't judge that. It's certainly not in individual cases, but um, it's very, very discouraging to the sheep, and it lets the evil prevail and we, we don't understand it. When the wolf is at the gate, the bishops don't remain, the, she, the shepherds don't remain silent, hopefully, uh, because um, the sheep need clarity. They need a clear voice to speak for them. Um, and that's what bishops are, a voice, successes of the apostles to tell us how we should navigate the waters in this day. So I beg you, beloved bishops, holy bishops, don't remain silent. Um, don't give in um, to any of the heresy. Um, 
hold fast to the faith once delivered to the saints. Okay. I said yesterday that the Amazon Synod will continue the entire month, and uh, everyone has, uh, well, most of you, not everyone, has access to the news as I have, so I'm not going to be reporting it every day. There are, there are good people doing that, and I don't want that to be our focus because we need to pray. We need to pray, and it is the lay people, said Bishop Sheen, um, Father John Harden spoke about this. It is the lay people who will save the church today and um, uh, just as they have before. And so we need to grow in holiness. And because this is the month of the rosary, um, I mentioned yesterday that uh, someone, I still haven't gotten her name, whoever you are, I bless God for you, emailed me a link to um, uh, Bishop Sheen's book, Meditations on the 15, Ro- um, 15 med- uh, Mysteries rather of the Rosary, and that was before we had 20. So the book covers the 15, the joyful, the sorrowful, uh, and the glorious. And so I read just the introduction yesterday, and I'm going to go into the joyful mysteries today, and whether or not you pray the Rosary every day, And whether or not you know these mysteries, most Catholics do know them by heart, who have been praying them for a while. I certainly know them by heart. However, um, I never tire of reading books on the Holy Rosary because I benefit tremendously from the meditations of others. The Rosary was very difficult for me to pray. Uh, I pray it every day. But it's, it's not an easy devotion for me. And one may say, well, if it's not easy, then it doesn't count. No, it counts even more. If it's a sacrifice for us, it counts even more. Um, I just had a, a thought, and I... Oh, St. Therese of Lisieux, the most beloved, famous saint in the world, who is the patron of missions, who died at the age of 24 and is the most beloved saint uh, maybe ever in history. And she had a hard time praying the rosary. She didn't like it. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in good... Well, I don't feel like. I know I'm in good company. I don't dislike the rosary, but I have always found it um, a burden. And so uh, I say that. Maybe some of you will be shocked and say, shame on you, Mother. Well, perhaps, but... Um, it, it just takes understanding the way I needed to grow in my understanding of the Blessed Mother. So when I find books like this, I run to them to, to get the devotion, the love that I don't yet, the devotion I yet don't fully understand. And the, I understand the theology of it, but the doing of it is still new to me, even though I'm no longer a new Catholic. Um, uh, and so our mother has given it to us, and she's asked us to pray it every single day. I don't know that she's asked us to pray any other devotion every single day, but the rosary, because it's her psalter. It's her garland of roses, which is what the rosary is, a garland of roses. And she, um, it, it comforts her. She wants to homeschool her children, so we know the very life of her son. It's as if we're in elementary school 
and she's taught us um, the, actually the way of the cross from his infancy on because he came to die. He didn't come to live. He was born to die. And right from the Annunciation of the uh, Angel Gabriel to Mary, before he was even um, in Mary's womb, it was the way of the cross. The minute he left heaven, it was the way of the cross. So let me begin now with the first mystery. And these are not long meditations. These are short. So the Annunciation, that is the announcement of um, the angel Gabriel to Mary that she would bear the very Son of God. Luke chapter 1. Bishop Sheen says, In the Annunciation, the birth of the Son of God in the flesh is made to hinge on the consent of a woman as the fall of man in the Garden of Paradise hinged on the consent of of a man. God in his power might have assumed a human nature by force as the hand of a man lays hold of a rose, but he willed not to invade his great gift of freedom without a creature's free response. Beloved, It's an amazing thing to me that the God of the universe, who is holy and pure and created everything that exists, every one of us, um, that he does nothing without us. He created us without us, but he does nothing else without us. He asks for our yes, as he asked for our lady's yes. He does not violate the free will that he gave us. Though the angel, Bishop Sheen says, though the angel who salutes Mary in words that have become the first part of the Hail Mary, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, Mary is asked if she will give God a man. Can you imagine? The creature is asked if she will give the creator a man. Mary learning that she will conceive without human love, because she was a virgin. Mary learning that she will conceive without human love, but with the overshadowing of divine love, consents, and a new humanity begins. A new humanity begins with Mary as the new Eve and Christ as the new Adam. The Annunciation is the mystery of the joy of freedom. Our free will is the only thing in the world that is our own. Now look at that. Nothing is our own. We're not our own. We were bought with a price, with the blood of a lamb. Nothing we have is our own. We're stewards of all that we have. We have nothing that we have not received. Our free will is the only thing in the world that is our own to do with as we will. God can take away anything else, our health, wealth, power, but God will never force us to love him or to obey him. The charm of yes lies in the possibility that one might have said no. Same thing when a man proposes to a woman and her yes 
the charm of that lies in the possibility that she might have said no. Mary has taught us to say fiat to God, yes, fiat. Be it done to me according to thy word. But God himself has taught us that since he would not invade the freedom of a woman, then a man should never do so. That was an unexpected final sentence to the meditation on the Annunciation. God himself has... ...or do so. Men, I need to tell you this because I've heard from too many women who are violated in marriage because men think that once they're married... They own the woman. They do not. They do not. Yes, the woman is to give her body to her husband and her husband his body to the woman indeed. But you have, if you rape your wife, you should be in jail. You have no right. You have absolutely no right. You have only the right to love her. You have no right to violate her. The second joyful mystery is the visitation. The gospel tells us, in the days that followed, Mary rose up and went with all haste to a city of Judea in the hill country where Zachary, or otherwise known as Zacharias, lived. And there entering in, she gave Elizabeth greeting. No sooner had Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting than the child in Elizabeth's womb, the child leaped or leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Ghost so that she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Elizabeth didn't know. Mary knew. The angel Gabriel told her that Mary had conceived, or rather that her cousin Elizabeth already had conceived six months before her. And, and Mary went in haste to the hill country to see her cousin Elizabeth, who was quite elderly. And Mary went to help her while Mary was newly with child. And the angel Gabriel didn't tell Elizabeth But Elizabeth knew because the baby, already six months old in her womb, leapt with joy. And you know, um, I've always pictured, uh, I think I know I mentioned this once before, but that scene is so magnificent to me that I pictured the baby who was John the Baptist, you know, but I'm, I'm going ahead of the story here. I pictured the baby in Elizabeth's womb having leapt for joy and his mom being filled with the Holy Spirit, at that moment, uh, John the Baptist was baptized in his own mother's womb by the Holy Spirit. And I always pictured him bowing to the child in Mary's womb, who was his Lord. It's, it's almost too much to even say. And one day I saw a picture, a Russian painting, of just that, of Mary pregnant, uh, with child newly uh, 
newly having conceived the Son of God, and Elizabeth with a six-month-old baby bowing down in her womb to Mary's son. It's so magnificent. Bishop Sheen says, The first miracle worked by our Lord on earth was performed while he was still in his mother's womb. He stirred the unborn John, John the Baptist, and brought consciousness of his presence to Elizabeth, the cousin of his mother. Thus, long before Cana, our Lord shows that it is through his mother, it is through his mother that he works his unseen wonders in the heart and through her that he is brought into the souls of men. The joy of the second joyful mystery, the visitation, the joy of the second joyful mystery is that of the Old Testament meeting the new and of the young maiden greeting the old woman as Mary burst into the most revolutionary song that was ever sung titled the Magnificat to magnify my heart magnifies the Lord the Magnificat foretelling the day when the mighty would be unseated from their thrones and the poor would be exalted yet at that moment when Elizabeth is the first to call Mary the mother of God, right? How is it that the mother of God should come to me? Elizabeth is the first to call Mary the mother of God, even before our Lord was born. Excuse me. Mary answers in her song that her greatness is due to him, to God, and that she was chosen because she was lowly. It may very well be that Mary was chosen to be the mother of God after she had, in her vow, renounced the honor. How's that? Because Mary made a vow of virginity as a young girl that she would never marry. And the tradition of the church is that she made a vow of perpetual virginity in reparation for the sins of her people, for the sins of Israel. And so how could it be How could I bear a son when I have a vow of virginity always, you see? And God didn't violate that vow when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Though greater than Elizabeth, Mary visits her in honor of need. Only as we become little do we ever become great in the eyes of God. It was from Pope Benedict XVI that I first heard the expression that Mary's journey, uh, uh, which I took, I walked on those very bricks on that very street. Part of it is still intact from 2,000 years ago in Israel. And I walked where Mary would have walked to her cousin Elizabeth on those rocks and up to that place where she lived. And Pope Benedict uh, said this was the very first Eucharistic procession because it was the first time that anyone carried the very Son of God on a journey. 
it was the first Eucharistic procession as Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth with the Son of God in her womb. It's all too glorious. It's all too glorious, beloved. And the third glorious mystery is what? You say it in your homes because some of you have children and let the children say it. What is the third, or rather joyful mystery? So the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. The second is the Visitation. And the third is what? When Mary was with child nine months, she gave birth to the Son of God. And so we call the third joyful mystery the Nativity, the birth of Jesus. All love, Bishop Sheen says, all love tends to become like that which it loves. Look at that. All love tends to become like that which it loves. I've just thought of an elderly couple. They love each other. They've been married for 60 years, and they love each other. They know each other inside out, and they even begin to look like each other. And they answer each other's. They finish each other's sentences. They become so alike. All love tends to become like that which it loves. God loved man, Bishop Sheen says. Therefore, God became man. Thanks to his human nature, he could take on our woes and our sorrows and feel the effects of sin as if they were his very own. But all this was conditioned upon Mary's All this was conditioned upon Mary's giving him a human nature. Without her, he would never have had eyes to see the multitude hungry in the desert or ears to hear the pleading of the lame man of Jericho or hands to caress children or feet to seek the lost sheep. Mary gave him all of that. For nine months... Mary's own body was the natural Eucharist in which God shared communion with human life, thus preparing for that greater Eucharist when human life would commune with the divine. It was Mary, you know, beloved, who gave our Lord flesh and blood, the flesh and blood now risen and glorified, that we receive is at every Mass is that flesh and blood which Mary gave him. Mary's joy, Bishop Sheen says, was to form Christ in our own body. Her joy now is to form Christ in our souls. I love that. I can't trust myself. I cannot trust myself or really anyone else totally to form Christ in my soul. But I can sure trust the Blessed Mother to do that. She knows him and loves him as no one ever has or will. In this mystery, we pray to become pregnant with the Christ Spirit, giving him new lips with which he may speak of his Father, new hands with which he may feed the poor, and a new heart, with which he may love everyone, even enemies. 
I'm turning these pages because Bishop Sheen, there's, there are uh, lovely illustrations of the mysteries here. So the first presentation, the angel coming, the first joyful mystery, the angel coming to Mary to tell her that she would bear the Son of God. No human being could ever even be in God's presence before without perishing. No human being could even look on God through the whole Old Testament without perishing. And now Mary is going to bear him in her womb. It's God's utter miracle. But again, he waited for her, yes. Then she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Thirdly, our Lord was born from Mary, from a woman. He who was God became man while never ceasing to be God. He wasn't 50% man, 50% God. He was 100% man and 100% God. And he remained that 100% man and 100% God. He remained that um, all his earthly existence and beloved through all eternity. He did not cease being man. He became man at the birth, um, at his birth, but he did not cease being man at his death. He will be the man God, 100% man, 100% God for all eternity. It's a mystery, but it is glorious. There's the music for our break, beloved, and you may call in with anything on your mind or heart. Uh, toll free one 877 511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. In St. Faustina's diary, we read the smallest things done by a soul that loves God sincerely have an enormous value in his holy eyes. Learn more about St. Faustina and Divine Mercy on one of our most beloved shows. Stream episodes of Divine Mercy in My Soul right on your iCatholic Radio app or download the podcasts at iCatholicRadio.com. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to the infant of Prague. O Jesus, Prince of Peace and King of the Universe, you chose to humble yourself 
and come into the world not as a powerful ruler, but as a helpless infant. Grant us the grace of humility and gentleness before you and our brothers and sisters. Grant to O Lord, that we may always strive to achieve the virtue and innocence of your own holy childhood. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We've got this entire half hour all to ourselves so don't hesitate to call in with anything on your heart and again it does not have to be what we're speaking about toll free or text at one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. we have an email from a patient Roland because Roland emailed last week we're just getting to you now dear one Roland says hello mother our, our niece is getting married in the near future. Her fiancé is not Catholic and not practicing any faith. Her priest said they cannot have a Mass, but only a service. Does this sound correct? It does not sound correct to me. To begin with, uh, Roland, I don't know if your niece is truly a Catholic other than a name. Uh, If she is, she should not be marrying a non-Catholic. Um, especially someone who's not practicing any faith. She's uh, going against uh, St. Paul's words to not be unequally yoked. So uh, she should not be getting married uh, to that man. And I don't know if she's practicing her faith or not, if she's truly, truly a Catholic. And she wants to remain Catholic. She needs a dispensation from the bishop to marry this non-Catholic. Um, and uh, as far as giving her a service, I don't know what that's about. The Catholic Church doesn't give services. It, it, it celebrates the Holy Mass and does not become Protestant in order to accommodate anyone. So I don't know what a service would be, but it, it, in my understanding, it shouldn't be held in a Catholic Church. Um, if she is Catholic and wants to remain Catholic and the husband is agreeing to let her raise the children Catholic, then he should have no objection to the Mass, even though he would not receive communion himself. So it's it's awfully confusing, Roland. Um, there's not enough information here for me to answer it more fully. Roland says, also, I emailed you the other day to get your thoughts on Saturday Vigil Mass. Uh, Seems some people who could go Sunday, go Saturday, so that they can do whatever on Sunday. Thank you so much. I agree with you. It should never be. If you go to the Latin Mass, if you go to the extraordinary form, the Mass through 2,000 years, you will not have a Saturday Vigil Mass. There's no such thing. Sunday is the day of worship. And in the new Mass, the new order of Mass, uh, the Church has allowed begun vigil masses for those in our world today. The world is so turned from God that everybody works, restaurants are open, shopping malls do their greatest work or most busiest time um, on, on weekends. And so they have the Saturday vigil 
for those who it was initially only for those who had to work on Sunday or they would lose their jobs or not support their families. Now you're right, Roland. Unfortunately, everybody goes Saturday night. Half of them come in beach clothes so that they can do what they want and have Sunday off and really forget about God and the obligation to set aside Sunday for him and to worship him. So um, I, would, I, wish, I would wish Saturday night vigil would cease. I truly do. Um, but as long as it is, the, to go Saturday night is not to have Sunday for yourself because Sunday doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. Even if we go to the Saturday vigil, Sunday belongs to God. Um, we have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously, and she says, Dear Mother Miriam, I've been searching for years for a local Catholic. She capitalized years. She capitalized Catholic. I've been ser- searching for years <clears throat> for a local Catholic sex ed program for my middle school and high school children. Yes, I've taught them at home, but kids do not want to talk about this sensitive topic with their parents. Um, I'm going to break into this email at this point. Uh, Some kids do not want to talk about this sensitive topic with some parents. Um, This is for parents to teach their children, and it's going to depend upon the relationship that the parents have with the children whether they can do this, that fathers would speak with the sons separately and privately, and mothers would speak with their daughters separately and privately. It needs to be done wonderfully and respectfully so the children know it's not bad, it's not wrong, it's holy. God has given it to us, but needs to be done in within God's design and with great reverence. Okay, I'll go on with the email now. This one who writes and says, I do not understand why parish LFF organizations, I don't know what LFF is, the initials LFF. Um, She said, I do not understand why parish LFF organizations do not make this mandatory or at the very least offered as an option. Our kids are absolutely bombarded with perverse, confusing, immoral sexuality coming at them from all sides. They need to know the truth about human sexuality and marriage as it pertains to the church. I just can't believe there is nothing offered like this. Well, I personally have been um, uh, saying for some time that uh, I do not believe sex ed belongs in the schools at all. And I've said, if your children, uh, whether they're in public school or Catholic school, uh, take them out of those classes or out of the school if you need to. Sex ed does not belong in the schools. You do not turn your children over to what uh, those teachers are going to teach. There's a certain dignity. There's a certain... For older people, a certain theology of the body, a dignity that can be taught. But specific sex ed must not be taught in schools. What did we do for uh, 2,000 years? What did we do? Um, Our parents didn't have sex ed. They found out how to have children. 
Our grandparents didn't have sex ed. They wouldn't even say the word sex. They wouldn't even say. They would say marital understanding. They would say marital union. They wouldn't even use the word sex because they would see it as degraded. And it is. Our language needs to be raised to beauty again, just as the... um, The scriptures say that Adam knew his wife Eve. The word sex is not used. I'm going to continue with your email, beloved, right uh, as soon as we come back from this break. So during the break, it'll be our last break, and it's a short one. Call in with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com, and we'll be right back. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com and may God bless you. to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I'm so happy to be with you. And uh, we have, uh, oh, a good 15 or more minutes uh, to be together. So please feel free to call in. I'll give the number out one more time. It's toll free or text at this number at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We're in the middle of an email. I'm actually gonna read it from the beginning but not give you all the comments I already have. Um, this anonymous writer says I have been searching for years for a local Catholic sex ed program for my middle school, high school children. Yes, I've taught them at home, but kids do not want to talk about this sensitive topic with their parents. I do not I do not understand why parish LFF organizations, and again, I, I don't know what LFF is, um, I don't know why they don't make this mandatory or at the very least offered as an option. Our kids are absolutely bombarded with perverse, confusing, immoral, sexually, um, sexual, immoral sexuality coming at them from all sides. They need to know the truth about human sexuality and marriage as it pertains to the church. I just can't believe there is nothing offered like this. Well, I've commented before the break. Uh, on all of this. And for those of you who might be just uh, tuning in right now, um, I've expressed my own uh, thoughts that sex ed has no place in the schools whatsoever. A sort of uh, respectful theology of the body uh, for high school children on up, um, I think, can be appropriately done if it's taught separately to boys and girls. It can't be taught in a co-ed class. That would be very disrespectful of the children. Um, but separately, yes, a certain understanding of the body, yes, but you need to be very careful and nothing explicit, nothing explicit. You, you don't need to do that. Um, and and I, I mentioned before that your parents, grandparents, and all through the ages, there was never such a thing as sex ed in school. And there have been uh, societies filled with debauchery. This isn't the first. Um, I think personally the time to discuss this is at home, is at home. Um, and, you know, Adam and Eve didn't need sex ed class. I, I know you may think that's uh, disrespectful on my part or rude for me to say such a thing, but it's, it's not. God, we know what to do. Everyone figures it out on their, on their marriage night. And if you raise good, holy Catholic children and you let them know that uh, for a young girl, your daughter, a man's hands do not belong on her, maybe they could hold hands, nothing more. A man's hand does not belong anywhere on her body, uh, around her waist, on her shoulder. Keep his a man, a young man needs to be taught to keep his hands off women until he's ready to marry the woman that God has brought him and not violate them. You violate them if your hands are on them. You have no right. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. Sacred property. And so the same thing with a woman. Keep your hands off man, men. When you're dating them, don't put your arm around them. Don't pat them on the arm, the shoulder. Don't do that. 
I know you think I'm I'm sounding archaic and rigid and I don't know, think of a word for it, but it's the way to remain holy. It's the way to treat others with sacredness and respect. Yes. Um, you look at, at um, the, the holy characters, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, as they married, they did not put a finger on their spouses until their, until their wedding night. So that's the way God would have it, beloved. Um, and I think the time to teach children this is when they begin to date and not before that. No young girl should date before she's, I don't know, 16. That's enough. And a young man, too. 16 is enough. And before she goes on dates, you can sit down with her and explain these things to her. And my brother, I remember, before his daughter dated, she would meet any man that she would date. And my brother would say, if you lay a hand on her, I will come after you. And he meant it. And his daughter was a little embarrassed by that, but she knew her dad, and she knew he meant it. And so it, it's the way to do it, beloved. Don't be afraid to, to lead and parent your children. And this one who writes in said, yes, I have looked at Jason Everett's info and some others, but again, my kids, like most kids, don't want to hear this from their mom or dad. Well, let them hear it from Jason then. Jason Everett is so interesting and entertaining. What do you think of this mother? Well, I personally love Jason Everett. I'm godparent to their first baby. I love Jason and Kristalina and, and um, John Paul. Their first son is extremely special to me. He's part of my heart, and their whole family is special. I love them, and Jason does fantastic work, but he's not disrespectful. He has all uh, illustrations that are... Um, explicit enough for everybody to get it, but he doesn't have to use degrading words or show um, pictures that are uh, should not be shown to children. Okay, we're going to go. We have Mariam from Massachusetts on the line. Hi, Mariam. Hi, hi, Mother Miriam. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Are you M-A-R-I-A-M? Is that how you spell your name, Mariam? No, mine is M-Y-R-I-A-M, French. Oh, you're French. Okay, okay. Miriam, très bien. Very good. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm with the I. I'm not French. So, <laughs> so yes, tell me. I'm with the I in my certain things, so I'm with the Y, Miriam. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, sweetheart. What's your question? Uh, my question is, I've been praying for my three daughters, Um to go back into the church, they has, um, one of them has been traumatized because her, she has lost her boyfriend to, to violence. So she's uh. kind of blaming, blaming God for that. Um, she's, not, she's not going into church. She's not praying as much as she used to. And they were, I raised them as um, shown Catholic. My sisters, myself, we go to the church and every, every Sunday do our, our um, sacrament. I wonder how much, what else can I do? What, what are the prayers beside my rosary? How old is your daughter? How old is my your daughter? My oldest is 24. My oldest I, is 24. My second one is 20. And my last one is 17. 
the one who lost her boyfriend by through due to violence. Do you mean he was killed or they broke up? No, she got killed. He got killed. He got killed, and this is the 24-year-old. Tell her that God lost his son through violence, that he got killed through violence. And yet, God already knew that that would happen, and he gave his son. You ask her if her boyfriend would have given his life to save the world. God gave his only son. And if she wants to blame God... She needs to blame him for also taking his own son that she could be saved and live with him forever. Okay. All right, sweetheart. Um, and um, what can you do? Um, you just love her and uh, try to um, give her books on the saints, on young women who were saints, who did much with their lives. Um uh, you can, um, I'm trying to think of uh, the saints whose spouses uh, were murdered, let's say. Um, I, I'm not able to think of, well, St. Rita, her husband and her sons were killed. Uh, St. Rita might be an example. Um, okay. But also, um, you know, um, you can give her, I'm thinking of uh, St. Francis of Rome. This woman was married and had children. And she had a guardian angel that was visible that followed her all around. Her husband didn't truly convert until his deathbed. And he was pretty miserable, treated her, poor, treated her poorly. Mm-hmm. And she became a saint because she put all her energies out to serve the poor and the needy. And that's what she did. She took them food, brought them clothing. And, and I would say to you, your daughter that the God who, who died for you, excuse me, loves you. And he allowed what happened, but he's not the, he's not the cause of evil, but he allows it. And she is doing her boyfriend, who she loved... Excuse me, a great disservice by being angry at God because hopefully he's on his way to God and she needs to honor God and pray for him. Okay. That if he's in purgatory, he could eventually be in heaven. So she can do more for him now than she ever did on earth and she's wasting her life. And if he's in purgatory, um, he would be extremely hurt that she would turn against the God who died to save him and her and that she would not be praying for him. (laughs) Excuse me. And if she prays for him, she's praying to God. She can't pray to God and be angry at him at the same time. Right. Tell her to start serving the poor. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm so sorry for the hiccups. Tell her to start clothing the naked. Tell her to go to a homeless shelter and start giving her life away. And that will get her out of her depression, her selfishness, and her lack of faith. Uh, and another thing, Mother Miriam, is there, how, do I, how can I obtain a, the book, How to Pray with the Rosary? Um, 
Do you mean the book that I'm reading? No. Yeah, the book you were talking about with the different mysteries. Well, you know, beloved, there's many, many books on the rosary. The one I'm talking about is yes. uh, the um, Meditation on the 15 Mysteries of the Rosary by Bishop Fulton yes. Sheen, yes. and it's out of print. I went on the Internet, oh. and I found it, and I was able to download it. So you can try that. But the other thing is, um, oh, I have the book for you in my mind, and I can't. Romano Guardini. Romano Guardini. G-U-A-R-D-I-N-I. Romano Guardini. His book on the rosary. Look it up on the Internet. You'll find it. Get that book. It's wonderful. Okay, sweetheart. Okay, Miriam. Thank you so much, Miriam. God bless you, dear one. Um, we have a call from Samuel in New York. Are you there, Samuel? Yes, I am, Mother Miriam. Hi, good to speak Hello. with you, Sam. I'm so sorry. We've got about a, a just a little over a minute left. So let's see if we can do something in that time. Yes, sure. Um, in the fifth grade, Mother Miriam, uh, I was exposed to perverted sexual education, I guess, but by oh. means of fellow mm-hmm. students, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, by fellow students, wow. Well. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the fifth grade, Mother Mary, in the parochial school. So when this is done, for these children, to, one thing to mention first before my question is that it then seems these children then embrace these ideals and then uh, further become perverted. It's, it's more right. than just common at that point. That's right. So then, for these students, what is to be done? Take them out of school. Take them out of school. You went to a Catholic school, Samuel? Yes. You see what I mean? Take your children out. I keep saying that, Samuel. Take your children out of school because Catholic schools can pervert children just as much. And if... You know, if your child comes home and tells you that the children in their classroom are perverting them or discussing these things or doing these things, mom, dad, you go to that teacher, and that teacher needs to discipline the children or put them out of school. You shouldn't suffer for it. The children who are doing this in a Catholic school of all places need to be expelled. That's what needs to happen, Sam. It's a sad situation, but the school has closed, and let us pray for an increase of purity. You've got it. You've got it, my dear Samuel. I'm so sorry you were exposed to that. Uh, Fifth grade, you said, 10 years old, a child is most impressionable at that age. It will affect him the rest of his life. So, parents, you need to understand the seriousness of this and teachers and principals. There's the end of our program, dear Samuel. We'll speak with you all tomorrow.